Hello, my friend, Pat Boone is here as in person as I can be right now. And I just want to welcome you to something I'm enjoying a whole lot myself. It's with a beautiful young lady named Joanne, and we call it Life Minute. And these are a few minutes of my life I'm sharing now with you. <laughs> wow, you look great. Thanks. I've been gritsing all day. I've been promoting the song and record grits <laughs> here at the CMA, which hasn't really begun yet. But I think it's good that I came in early so I could get to some of the TV and radio people that wanted to talk to me ahead of time before the actual CMA. Absolutely. So it's such a pleasure to have you uh, visiting us at Life Minute. Thank you so much. Well, I'm happy to do it. I, I, of course, they let me talk about my new record all the time and a new book as well. So of course, I'm going to be talking about it, whether I'm on TV or Zoom or not. <laughs> right. I know. I wish we could do it in person, but luckily we have Zoom. So this we can is, this is in person. Yes, it <laughs> this is. This is right? really in person. You know? <laughs> I got to watch my language. <laughs> I can't talk too Southern. I'm kidding. I've never had to watch my language, but no. I, I try to choose it carefully anyway. anyway <laughs> well, happy birthday to you. You just had a birthday. Yes, and I am so aghast at it. I mean, I'm G-A-S-S-E-D and A-G-H-A-S-T because 89, Crazy. I, I, that means I have lived 89 years. Wow. And that means I'm now embarked on my 90th year. And I just, I mean, I'm, I'm psychologically not ready for that. 89 is old. 90 is yeah. really old. Just a number. I, I don't feel like that. I mean, I'm still playing singles tennis with a, a kid. He's only 81, but uh, I play with him when I when we can. And I swim and I work out in the gym and I'm still recording and writing and got business interests and, and get with my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids, 17 great-grandkids. Wow. The grandkids are still producing. So we're a, sort of a fertile family. <laughs> this shirt is 40 years old. My wife made it for me back when there was a lot of so-ons. What do they call it? I forget the word for slapping things. Oh, patches? Patchwork. Patchwork, yeah. 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 And on my back is a big glass of milk because I was doing commercials for milk at that time. <laughs> but this shirt still fits me. It's fantastic. 40 years ago, she made it for me. And Aww. this hat I just was using in the, the uh, video we did on grits, which I yes. hope you'll see. I saw it. It's it's fantastic. It's you great. saw it. You it's saw great. It. Good. <laughs> it's Good. very nostalgic. I love it. And it's fun. I'm, I made a prediction that even though I am country, I'm not considered country, but I always watch the CMA Award, Country Music Awards, and I married Red Foley's daughter. He's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, and surely my wife was and still is. She's in heaven now, but yeah. she was always a terrific singer like her dad, and so I felt, uh, I've always felt part of what was happening in country music and recording country songs. In fact, that my next album, and could be my last album, is unique. There's never been an album like it. It's 25 million selling country songs, all of which I recorded myself along the way in my albums. I did have a couple of country hits called Texas Woman, and that was responsible for me being on the, co the cover of the Rolling Stone the only time I was on the cover of the road. And, so, and, um, and then another song called Moody River, which started out as a country hit by Chase Webster. And I made a record of it. It became a million selling pop record. So I've had little 
twinges and touches with the country music academy and the country music community, but I've never thought I was really a part of it. So I kept doing the songs. And now we've got an album coming out, 25 million sellers of all of these great songs and sung by one artist. And that makes it unique. It's never happened before. That's so neat. I didn't realize that. I'm, I'm, I have high hopes for it as uh, to maybe get me into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Ah. Not just because I married into it, <laughs> <laughs> because I sang into it. That sounds good to me. If there's one thing you haven't done, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's not many things I ever wanted. The only thing I didn't have that I did want very much was a son. I had four daughters, but I got five huh. great, wonderful grandkids. And then I've got a number of great grandsons. So the sons are coming that I didn't have to raise. <laughs> I didn't have to support all of them. But the girls, they took all my time, interest, and funding as well. <laughs> I bet. I paid, I paid for the college educations and the church weddings. And so... I was happy to be able to do my duty for my daughters. Oh, by the way, unlike any other entertainer you'll ever talk to, not one of my daughters, they each was married in their early 20s, but they lived at home until they were married. Not one of my daughters, including Debbie, who had the huge hit of You Light Up My Life while she was still living at home, continued to live at home. And none of my daughters ever had her own apartment. Huh. So now that may sound strange and too old fashioned, but you know, I love my girls and I was a very protective daddy. And I, and I loved them. I wanted them around. And so we lived in the same house. I still live in that house for 67 years now. 65 years, I guess it is, living in that house. But <laughs> good thing about wow. that is we live right in the middle of Beverly Hills and the land values have gone up considerably since mm -hmm. I paid 159000 for that house and 1.2 acres of land. Wow in the middle of Beverly Hills, <laughs> 1960. So I've been very fortunate, so fortunate along the way. Mm -hmm. I quit talking, let you ask me something. No, you're doing great. In fact, I was going to ask you, 35 years you were married. No, was I'm, it more? Oh yeah, it was 67 years married. We're still 67. married. Where did I get 35 from? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> But we're still at 67 and counting because she. we're still married. We still celebrate our marriage. My Aww. daughters and I, we, we celebrate their mama's birthday Aww. because she, it's just the fact she's living in heaven now and she's waiting for me. She's living in a mansion, as Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions and he's, he's building them for us. And Shirley's already inhabiting one and getting it all spruced up for me. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're married and we always will be. Aww. What did you do you attribute that to? It's it's unheard well, of now, like you said. You know, it's a really good question because so many otherwise good marriages don't seem to last. But when we married, we were 19 and we made our vows to God as well as to each other. And we took both vows very seriously. So when we when my career took off like a house of fire when it did, when it, I was still in college. First at North Texas State, and then I finished at uh, Columbia University, magna cum laude, going to be a teacher preacher, I thought at that point. And my career had just happened. It just fell on me because I won a talent contest, Ted Mac Amateur Hour on national TV. And then that led to a recording contract. And my first record was a million selling hit. While I was still in college, we had moved. We'd married at 19 and moved to North Texas in Denton, Texas. And, and so because of the record and the next record was Ain't That a Shame, that's Domino's hit, which I made the pop record, a rock and roll version of. His was uh, Rhythm and Blues, 
number one in his category, genre of race or rhythm and blues music. And I recorded his song. He sold 150,000 at number one. I did it and went to number one pop and rock and roll a million and a half, 10 times what his had sold. <laughs> he told people many times, I made more money from Pat Boone's record of my song than from my own. I got 3% royalty for being the writer, another 3% for being the publisher, another 3% royalty. I got 9%. Pat Boone got 3% from his records, but I got 9% from every one of his records <laughs> song. I was not taking anything from them. I was adding to their bank accounts as well as helping bring them across into pop music from just rhythm and blues into pop and what we call rock and roll. It was all incredible, but as it was happening, I was already married, having babies. When yeah. I graduate from Columbia University, my uh, television show, the Pat Boone Chevy show, was on ABC television every week and sometimes number one in the Nielsen's, having all the other singers come and sing with me, and I was 21, 22, 23. And I graduate magna cum laude with honors you open up the TV guide on which I'm on the cover in my cap and gown. And there's a picture of Shirley, my wife, and four little girls. <laughs> we had four little daughters at age 23, one wow. separately. Wow. And and yet the career, the records, the movies, and the television all happening at the same time. I've lived an incredibly busy life. It's never let up. <laughs> I mean, there's always more to do every day than I can get done. People say, well, that keeps you keeping busy, keeps you young. As long as I don't get too upset about it, I always <laughs> feel at the, at the end of every day, I didn't get enough done. I left some, some stuff undone. Well, I'll take care of it tomorrow. <laughs> that keeps me going. I wake up with a sense of responsibility. Yeah. Get done that day what needs to be done. And, yeah. that, and I get at it. That's the secret then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the covenant we made with God with each other and with God, because you're in the entertainment business. It's very tough to keep a, any kind of a marriage together. Yeah. But yeah. but we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. Wow. Said, we're going to live by Tennessee standards. We may be geographically in California, even in Hollywood, but we're going to live like we were in Nashville. And, and I tell you, I had many acquaintances, fond acquaintances in the entertainment business, made movies with some of them, but I didn't have close friends in the entertainment business. All my close friends and our, most of my daughter's friends were church people mm -hmm. the, and, and just neighbors and friends and family. But I was not moving in those inner circles in the entertainment world. And I, I knew I was not missing anything. Mm. <laughs> I had enough experience to know that I did not care for the many of the parties, even some of the premieres, all the hazari. I was getting enough imposition on my life just for being a recognizable entertainer going about my daily life in restaurants, stores. But to be in uh, crowded things with other entertainers where I felt like they hate that people are more interested in them than me anyway. So why am I here? I, I didn't mind missing. I pretty soon was dropped off the invitation lists of some huh. of the fancy doings in Hollywood because I didn't really fit in there. Yeah. I remember Kirk Douglas once, the actor, of course. I was still in school at Columbia and it had been publicized that I intended to get my degree. I'm taller than Kirk was and he was there with that big cleft in his chin and that that really intense kind of a personality. He says, you're in college? 
where you, you Columbia University? I said, yes, you're going to finish, aren't you? I said, oh, yes, I'm going to finish. You're going to graduate. You're going to get a degree. I said, yes, I am. If you don't, you'll listen. You'll answer to me. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, no, I'm going to get my degree. And I did get a degree with honors. I just never took a teaching job. And I know that in one way I, I missed something, but on the other, I have felt always that my career was a, a, a kind of teaching platform. So from the beginning, I was blessed that people knew I was a church going guy. So I didn't have to make any excuses about that. I was a Christian. I was married, having a child a year. So I was productive <laughs> and, uh, and no, maybe more than normal for have four kids that young but now I was, I was a teen idol and the kids were coming at me wanting my autographs and screaming and hollering and I was having rock and roll records and sometimes Shirley was right there with me <laughs> my daughters were too young to be with me but when Elvis came to see me one afternoon as he as he did often on a Sunday kids and I were in the pool and he just walked in we didn't have a gate at that time until Debbie had her big record and then I put a gate up out front. Uh -huh. and, um, he came in the backyard and the girls jumped up and ran over and started hopping up on him and hugging him. And he says, and I said, girls, stop that. You're getting him all wet. And he said, leave him alone, man. I like it. Because uh -huh. uh -huh. that, that's why he was there. I'd go visit him in the place he was renting. He wasn't married yet. And in one occasion, he had a date with a young starlet who one of his buddies went and picked up and brought over to the house where the, his other buddies were playing pool and I was there and it was really like a boy's dorm, <laughs> a clubhouse. And she was introduced around and then he, Elvis said, Hey, let me show you the rest of the house. And so he was gone about an hour showing her the rest of this not so large house. Yes. <laughs> and and we, we were still mixing up and having fun and playing pool in the, in the, in the big entertainment room. And then they came out after he'd showed her around and, and told his buddy to take her home because she had to work the next day in a movie. And that was her date with Elvis, which was oh. not the kind of date. <laughs> I never had a date like that. Somebody go pick the girl up, bring her over. I spend a little time with her and she's gone. But they, Elvis had many dates like that. And they could brag about it the rest of their lives if they wanted to. But then he would come to my house. And when my girls jumped up on him, getting him wet from being in the pool, he said, leave him alone. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and I could tell he was wanting that in his life. Yeah, yeah. She never really got because Priscilla, I'll just say this, that when we got to know each other better and she came to Bible studies in our home that we had for a while for entertainers that were not going to church anywhere, but would come and be interested in a Bible teacher in a non-advertised environment. If they were embarrassed to be there at a Bible study, Nobody would know about it, but they came. Jonathan Winters and Doris Day and Glenn Ford. I can talk about them now. They're gone, but uh, they did come. And even Zsa Zsa Gabor and Mickey Cohen, the known gambler gang guy, they came to Bible studies in our home. Just They were not to be publicized at all, but just to offer some valuable information from the Bible, which they knew nothing about. Those times came and went, but they were very family and marriage strengthening things for me and my kids. So when they married and all lived at home until each one was married, 
even debbie with her you light up my life huge career i mean it was a huge record but also creating her career but she was still living at home until she got married and i would drive them to the church to get married walk down the aisle and turn them over to the husband and they drive away and then I felt my responsibilities were over, but then I came to the realization, no, they're just starting <laughs> because they're going to have kids uh -huh. and have grandkids. And even my daughters could benefit perhaps from some of my experience and what I'd learned, but certainly the kids and grandkids. So now we're gosh, I haven't counted them lately, but we're already planning my 90th birthday. Oh. And we're going to try to have every child, my daughters, every grandchild, every great-grandchild, and their husbands or wives. I mean, who knows how many people it's going to be. <laughs> but we've already picked out Lawrence Welk's retirement village wow. to be the place where we can accommodate 100 people or more. And there's tennis courts and swimming pools and golf course and all the rooms necessary and places to eat and be together for about... Oh, let me know what time. Two or three days. Okay, we'll invite you for the <laughs> 90th birthday. Amazing. But we're, God we're gonna, bless you. And we'll have, thank you. God bless you. And we'll have lots of grits. <laughs> I guarantee we'll have plenty of grits there. Yeah, what's, what's with the grits? I guess you like grits, huh? Well, I do, and uh, and I grew up eating grits and and loved it, Cracker Barrel and other. And my mama always made grits. I had a dream. I had a dream. It's a song I wrote of Martin Luther King's speech. That's another song that I wrote that I hope to introduce someday at Bluebird Cafe. But I was having a dream. Literally, this is the truth. I dreamed I was having a country hit. Now, I, I had had a couple of country hits, but I wasn't thought of as a country artist. So I was at a party in this dream, and I was singing part of this song, and people were congratulating me. <laughs> and then as happens in a dream, it, the thought will occur, I wonder if this is a dream. And as soon as you think that, you start waking up. And sure enough, it is a dream. And then you start trying to hold, and and you you don't want it to go away, but it's virtually gone. But I came out of the dream with this one verse, Grits. Grits, bestest food there is, country caviar, Tennessee foie gras, grits, <laughs> grits, <laughs> bestest food there is, keep your fancy food, give me my grits. That much came out of my dream. Well, it wasn't hard to finish writing a song. The, the rest of that and making fun of all those hoity-toity things that they serve as hors d'oeuvres and fancy things, events. And I said, do I want escargot? Them snails have got to go. Give me my grits. <laughs> Pate, what is that anyway? I don't want that gooey cheese. I, you know, I, we had, you know, I don't like the smell of that, please. I mean, it, it, fancy stuff and even verses that we never used, like, uh, <laughs> and it's a good thing I didn't. Pheasant under glass. No, you can kiss my grits, grits, bestest food there is. <laughs> And uh, but we didn't use that verse. But there were other <laughs> verses with about other items of food that are too fancy for good country folks who just want just normal good eating. And we mentioned Cracker Barrel in the song. And I'm I'm going to be surprised and and really sort of very disappointed if Cracker Barrel doesn't want to use part of the song <laughs> as a commercial. I know that's what I thought for and, sure. Uh, and or then, some grit company. Well, if they don't, Quaker Oats is the <laughs> yes. main. Quaker Oats sells grits. I yes. think they sell more grits than anybody. And in my video of the song, 
we show a canister of grits like you buy in a store yep. with my face on it, like it's Pat Boone style grits. And so we're going to certainly plant the notion at, at Quaker Oats that it's available for a commercial use because grits is a fabulous food. And so we got all the uh, entertainers together, uh, Ray Stevens, Laurie Morgan, Deborah yeah, Allen, yeah. Gatlin Brothers, yeah. and, uh, and, and Dean Miller, the son of Roger Miller, who gave me the greatest compliment. He says, I can hear my dad writing this song. Grits, grits, Betsy's food oh. there it's. That word play of grits and it's and other other items in it. And he says, it sounds like a song my dad would have could have written. And so he sings with me on the on the song. And now it's we just got word today that it's it's just been out like 10 days, but it's like it's got 160,000 listens and, and downloads on Spotify. Wow. And because there's a new line dance. And the woman that creates line dances created a grits line dance. And to perform it, you got to be listening to the music. So I think that's one of the reasons that the Spotify thing has jumped up so fast. But the grits line dance is on a special internet chart. And it's number one on the grits line dance is number one on the line dance chart. I think God's giving me a hit record at 89 about something I really love, which is grit, <laughs> good food, healthy food, but also to be uh, recognized the way I want to be as not just a pop star. I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame because I've done over 20 gospel albums. And people don't know this, but I have recorded more songs, separate songs than any artist in history. Frank huh. Sinatra did 1,500. I love them all. Bing Crosby was my role model. He recorded some 2,000 songs. Mm -hmm. I've recorded 2,600 songs. Wow. Three of them in the last year. Wow. Huh. One, one of them, a remake of the song Crystal Gale had with Eddie Rabbit, which was a million-selling, uh, Grammy-winning song. But that was almost 40 years ago. So we recently, Crystal Gale and I redid that song. And so it is a, it is a million- Which one is that? Oh, uh, just you and just I. Just you and I. Okay. Just you and I. Yeah, yeah. We share our love together. Yeah, yeah. We'll be all right. Just you and I. And we sang it together, and she still sings and looks beautiful. And that, so we got that song in the. Loretta Lynn's daughter. Yeah, yeah. People yes. don't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but boy, she looks so beautiful, and her husband was there, and we sang that, and then dedicated it to my wife, Shirley, who had passed and gone to heaven, and as she and I lip sync it just in the studio, which we had just recorded, so we could use that in a video, or it could be the video, but at the end, there's a picture of my wife, Shirley, so we dedicate the whole song, because the last words, we made it, you and I, we made it, you and I. And this, and Crystal was happy to dedicate that to my wife, Shirley. Oh, that's beautiful. And these things are, are still happening and enriching a life that's, as you see, I can try, but it's really hard to describe it all. It's, I can't, I can't, it's amazing. And, you know, I didn't know you had three Hollywood Walk of Fames, three stars. Yeah. On the, wow. You know why that's that is? Because that was the first time they put them down. I got one for records, yeah, one for record. movies, and Movie. one for television. Yeah. And uh, Bing Crosby had four, I think. I oh, think, did he? I think Gene Autry may have had four. But I had three at the very start. 
And and now people get all excited about one. I know. Well, it's hard and, to get one now. Some, <laughs> you know, people don't realize they have to be paid for. And the price has gone way up. I mean, somebody's going to pay for your star, whoever yeah. you are. Nobody, nobody selects people to have stars just because they like them. People come along. If you have a real successful career, your press agent or somebody's going to say, you need a star on the holiday. Well, that's the way it happens. But my, I was part of the three original ones. One of them disappeared when uh, they put an underground railway right underneath Hollywood Boulevard and part of Hollywood Boulevard caved in. And they lost that part of the sidewalks. Oh, geez. Which wow. some, of the, <laughs> which <laughs> some of the original stars were. I don't know if they replaced any of the others that may have been lost, but they, as far as I can tell, they never replaced one of mine. But I know where the other two are. And I take uh -huh. them if family or somebody comes to town and wants to see them, I can show them my stars on Hollywood Boulevard. At least just the two. <laughs> but at least I did have three, yeah. But when, when you look back on, oh. 70 years and show business yeah. do you wow. say wow thank you. just thank you lord because i know it fell on me i didn't seek it it happened to me i mean i sure i had dreams of singing even as a as a as a professional but if you get married at 19 you cannot count on that you can't think okay i'm going to be a professional singer when i know that pretty soon i'm going to have kids to support and and i'm going to try to be a teacher preacher i knew i could get place somewhere as a teacher preacher but then while I was going about doing that getting experience preaching in a little country church in a wheat field outside Denton Texas a place called Slidell Texas and it only had like 30 or 40 members but I was preaching on Sundays and and I was not expecting to get paid anything this was just good experience for me and they needed somebody who would do it for nothing but they did take up offerings and they surprised me one Sunday by giving me the offering. I was tithing on the $50 a month that I was, no, $50 a week that I was making for doing two TV shows in Channel 5 in Fort Worth, hosting a country music show on Friday nights called Beaulieu Barn Dance, Beaulieu Mills Flower. And then on Saturdays, Foremost Teen Times, which was Foremost Dairies. And it was a teenage show featuring talent of all types from all over that top of, of northern Texas and into Arkansas, Oklahoma. Teenagers would come in from everywhere and they'd be on my Foremost Teen Times show on Saturdays for an hour, sponsored by Foremost Dairy. And I would be a soda jerk <laughs> behind the counter on the set where all the performing took place. And soon as the show ended on a hot Saturday afternoon, I would grab all the ice cream and cottage cheese and whatever other products, put them in the car and race 30 miles to Denton to get it in the refrigerator before it all <laughs> melted. Because I was only making 50 bucks a week, 4450 take home. And we were living on that with our first child coming and pretty soon our second. But when I was <laughs> preaching for nothing, they gave me the offering. And it was 20, about 27 bucks. And I knew I had put in five because I was tithing on my 50. Well, there was one Sunday when I thought this is a $30 sermon if I ever, ever heard one. I really poured my effort and time into it. So I knew I was not going to get 30 unless I put in more. So I put in 10. And sure enough, I got, I think, 32. <laughs> 32 that Sunday. But in less than a year after I was doing that, I was making more money than I knew what to do with. I was in New York, transferred to Columbia University, having hit records, soon to have my own television show, 
getting paid more for a performance somewhere, singing my hit records than I would have made all year. <laughs> and then some in that little church. But uh, this was God just opening doors for me to walk through. And I'd say, okay, I can do that. Yeah, I'll try that. Okay. And uh, Is there anything you wish you do did differently or? You know, I can't think of anything because a happy, wonderful marriage, four beautiful children with happy marriages too. I have to confess a couple of those didn't last, but the second attempts turned out beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with healthy, all 16 healthy grandkids and now 17 great grandkids and all the accolades and all the other opportunities I've had along the way. I used to say, and people would ask me that, well, I never had a son, yeah. but, but I realize now God knew what he was doing. I'm not sure that I would have been enough of a father to a son because I would have been gone so much as I was, huh. but surely he kept my presence always as their daddy. Well, let's do this for daddy. We'll tell him when daddy gets home for my four daughters. So we stayed very close. I could be and still am daddy to my four daughters. But sometimes in an entertainer's family, the son feels like he can't, he doesn't want to be compared to his daddy. He can't equal what he da his daddy did, doesn't want to maybe. Or maybe he tries to and doesn't succeed as well. Hmm. I know with Bing Crosby and his boys, he didn't have a very good relationship with his sons because one of the things is he was a disciplinarian and he expected them to work for their monies that they were going to get from him because he was trying to teach him as a good daddy to sons. Well, they resented it. They knew that his money seemed to come so easy and why couldn't they have more of it? This is in Bing's own autobiography where he feels that he was not as good a father as he would like to have been to them. These were boys and he had to spank them or whip them to keep them in line. Mm -hmm. I got my spankings from my mama. Mm -hmm. and my brother did too. If we needed them, we got them. You know, being the daddy and gone a lot, and trying to also maintain discipline with a son hmm. might not have been good enough. That's yeah, interesting. Thank, thank God I was, so I don't have any regrets. No. <laughs> don't ask me a question if you don't want a long-winded answer. <laughs> I love it. I got to ask you this. How do you perceive the world these days and what's happening in schools and such? And <laughs> Well, I could give you a very long-winded answer, but the short of it, is I'm deeply, deeply concerned. We used to be, we always were, we called ourselves one nation under God. It's in our Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. And now over half of America doesn't go to any place of worship, according to Gallup and Barna. So that stabilizing, uniting influence, which always was part of how we lived, everybody understood that. And you talk about God, well, sure, I mean, even non-believers uh, understood why you would talk about God. They wouldn't be offended or left out necessarily. But Jews, Christians, Hindus, everybody could, Muslims, all you know, we could talk about God. And if we thought differently, that was okay. But, but now there's no mention and no belief in a supreme being, no Bible to offer ballast and, and counsel that we need and used to get automatically in school even. We would sing songs of worship and songs of patriotism at the beginning of a school day. I knew all the words to our patriotic songs, to most of them. When I was in school, we'd sing one of them, you know, America, oh, beautiful, for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. 
and or God bless America. We would sing that in uh, the school day. And then there could be a prayer. And even if you weren't a religious family, it, there was something about it that created a context. And you knew you were expected to live a moral kind of life. That was also true in entertainment. The reason mm -hmm. our movies were so popular all over the world is they presented a picture of the United States of America as the most ideal place in the world in which to grow up and live. Everybody wanted to come here and experience it. Then the entertainment industry by more and more began to treat very unworthy topics and to make films that didn't have happy endings and where the bad guys got away with it. Maybe the good guys, uh, the good people were lost. We began to lose all those ballasts. And now I was talking to someone who's in education today and what's being taught in schools these days. It, it grieves me. We, we were never a slave nation. We weren't built on slavery. Yes, there was slavery. Even Thomas Jefferson in Washington would admit that this was not a good thing, but they slavery was this part of not just America, but Europe as well. And, and the slave trading was going on really in England and Europe. And some of it actually participated in by other black people they were saying you know, the slave trade was not new to America. It was part of the overall way of life that was known around the world. But of course, we grew out of it. We need to have get credit for people like Lincoln and others and John Douglas and, and the people who led us out of slavery, which was a mistake, but it was not part of who America was or is or ever meant to be. It was something that had to be corrected and was. Anyway, those things, that's what ought to be taught and used to be taught. But now, you know, the woke processes of trying to change our history into something it wasn't and to leave out some of the great things that we, that we were and are and to tear down the statues even of Lincoln and Jefferson and Washington because they were flawed human beings <laughs> as, if, as if any of us isn't a flawed human being. We need to be teaching the same things and the better things. So education is suffering badly. And I won't get into the to the kind of other things that teachers are promoting in school. And the government that we, we don't take nearly as avid a part in our government so that people who are very active get the way, the, their way if they vote. And then other people who didn't bother to vote get the same treatment or the same results. They could have, didn't have to have if they would have voted themselves. We're letting it slip away. And I have been working on a song with a very accomplished songwriter. And it's just called, Where Did America Go? It's a Dylan, Bob Dylan type song. Where did America go? The land of the brave and the free. Can one generation dissolve a great nation because we can't agree? That's the kind of thing I can imagine Bob Dylan writing. Of course, Bob Dylan is still around. Maybe I should get him to help me with it. <laughs> you know what? That's a good idea. I mean, <laughs> I made contact Bob and say, hey, I need, I need your help with this song. That was one thing that Reagan said when he was president, that, that what we believe in and what we want to value can disappear in one generation. And so I'm using that. Can one generation erase a great nation. The next one is, where's America gone? Like Abraham, Martin, and John, we gave up their voices. 
and also their choices. So where has America gone? I'm going to finish that song because I also want to offer hope that the Constitution is still the solution. That rhyme Constitution is still the solution. If we get back to that, and then the chorus is actually a prayer. Please give us one more chance to be what we had and, and have lost. So it's a, it's a Dylan-type lament. But but I that's what I'm feeling these days is unless we really wake up and get back to the basics, we're not going to survive just automatically off what we did in the past that was the reason we were America. Well, de Topo said, the historian, that America is great because America is good. If America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. We're not evidencing our greatness the way we did, which used to be sort of automatic because it's the way we lived and what we all believed. But now there's so many other ways to believe and other ways to live. We're losing the cohesiveness that made us one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. You know, I hope I live long enough to see it all starting to get better again. It could if enough of us will pray seriously and unite seriously and be willing to communicate seriously <laughs> and just get to know each other better. That's another song I wrote, Can't We Get Along? And it did go viral. It went viral all across the media. I didn't have a way to market it. But Wendy Moten sang the song. She's a terrific black gospel singer, Wendy Moten. She almost won the voice. She was one of the last two contestants. But I, I'd written the song after Rodney King was beaten by the uh, the police that were arresting him. And he resisted arrest. And he was high. He admitted that. But he didn't deserve to be almost beaten to death. And that started the L.A. riots, you know, and it really tore up the western part of the United States anyway. And when he came out of the hospital, still puffy and bruised from the beating he took, but instead of saying something incendiary and inflammatory, he said, can't we get along? Can't we just be friends? Can't we work it out? I cried when I heard him say that. And I waited for Peter, Paul, and Mary or somebody to write a song. Can't we get along? They didn't. So I did. I wrote a song, a lovely song. Can't we get along? Can't we work it out? Can't we just be friends? If you look right into my eyes, you might see straight into my heart. <laughs> can't we How do you do that? <laughs> can't we be friends? Well, just look people right in the eye and try to see who they really are. They'll communicate with you that way too, but we don't. We don't even give each other serious looks much of the time much less really try to inquire into each other's lives and existence and empathize and identify with them. But I'm trying to communicate. I did in that song and it went viral all over the internet, but we didn't have a way to market it. I wasn't with a record company and I didn't have the trappings of the way. It went viral, but, uh, and I don't, last we heard there were 700,000 views or something. However, it got seen on the internet, but I couldn't get anybody to put the record out. Huh. But now who's making records and who has a way to play records? It's all on the internet. Yeah. The good thing, and I, I ought to wind this up, but the um, record people are beginning to start into production of vinyl records again, because yes. there's yep. a growing market for yep. vinyl players and vinyl yep. machines. That's a thrill to me. Yeah, me too. I have a lot of vinyl. And, and it's just something about putting the needle. Yeah. And, and it's a performance. Yeah. It's not just an audio experience. Yeah. Whoever did that is performing for you. Yeah. 
It's yeah. not the same as putting a CD into it. No, it's not. In fact, I, I just bought a vintage player that you crank up. Really? It plays the little 78s. and Yes, 78s. I just, I just got it last weekend. My first records were <laughs> 78s. Oh. And then eventually came 45s. Yeah. And of course, uh, LPs. LPs, yep. And then cassettes and then tapes and yep. DVDs. Oh, boy. You can get it by just going online and listening to it, whatever you want, but you don't even own it. And you don't have a record album or a cassette with something to hold. Yep. Information yep. about maybe the recording of the artist. <laughs> so I miss all of that. I want it to come back. And Two. this new album of Country Jubilee with the 25 million selling hits all on one record by one artist, which is unique. It's never been done. It's going to be vinyl as well. Excellent. Just hoping that there's going to be enough vinyl people who will want it to perhaps at least pay for the recording. I have some high hopes to at least help a comeback. It's coming back of vinyl. I think I so. Participate yeah. in it. I want to participate in it. Yeah, you will. You are. And, and, and I could go back to cylinders, but I won't go back that far. You know what? The, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you know what the cylinders were? No. They would look like toilet paper rolls, but wow. they had music on them somehow, and a machine would play these cylinders. Wow. I used to, when I was appearing in Branson, <laughs> in my own theater in Branson, and Andy Williams had his theater, and I would kid about uh, Andy Williams. And they said, we've known each other a long time. In fact, I used to buy his records when I was a kid, like he was that much older than me. He was a little bit. And in fact, I had a couple of his cylinders. Well, it, only part of the audience would even know what I was talking about. But that's going back even before, even earlier than vinyl records were cylinders. That, and then there were uh, player pianos, which you could have a piano that would play it, you know, you put rolls and it would play certain melodies. So we were aching always to have the music in ways that we could play and enjoy when we wanted to. So that was a whole industry. But now uh, the industry is taking it away. It's not so much the recording industry as it is the tech information industry, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And including music. It doesn't have the same life in it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. That, you, yeah. that your little portable CD player. I mean, you had that performer in a little case, and that performer was yes. going to do his or her song for you. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same as the feeling I get with a vinyl record. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to perform for me. Yeah. And I hope to still help perpetuate that with the Country Jubilee record. I think you will. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait until you do it. But you won't have to wait long. I think September 20th, it comes out on vinyl. Well, you'll be able to get a vinyl record. In fact, I will. We'll arrange to send you one. Arrange <laughs> after our talk yes. today. I'd love to do that. We make a note. Oh, I would love to have that. Well, thank you. For I this. want a patron. I don't want it for free. I'll buy one too. But you could send me one. Sign. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thank oh, you thank listening. you so much. What an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Thanks for asking. So and fantastic. Let me answer. Oh, thank you. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.